The reading's taken from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 7, verses 1 to 10. When Jesus had finished saying all this to the people who were listening, he entered Capernaum. There a centurion's servant, who his master valued highly, was ill and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to ask to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him, This man deserves to have you do this, because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority, with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him, and turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. This is the word of the Lord. God. Thank you, Simon, for reading. Uh, For those who are visitors here at St Paul's, we are going through Luke's Gospel. We're taking four terms to do it. We started before Christmas with the Christmas stories And we got as far as Luke chapter 6 before we broke for Easter and did Easter in John's gospel mostly. So we're picking up Luke again now uh, in Luke chapter 7. We have Luke journals. We've got, for anyone who hasn't got one, there are copies on the welcome desk. You're very welcome to have one of those. Nice to see some people have still brought those and scribbling down. We're going through the whole of Luke's gospel. Some of it's all age, some of it's evening service, morning. It's affected by the different seasons. But uh, as Andy was saying, we're, and Carolyn was praying, we are following Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life, and we thought it would be good just to make sure uh, we follow him well. So let's pray that he will speak through this wonderful story. We praise you, Lord, for this story of the centurion's faith coming to you for his servant. And we long to trust you more. As we've just sung, our desire is to hold on to you, to trust you in all the things we face. Come by your spirit now. Speak through me. Speak supremely through your word. And help each of us to trust you in the things we're facing. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, Shortly before Easter, uh, I went out with Andy and had a light lunch in coffee number one uh, in town. Other coffee shops are available, but I'd never been into coffee number one in Leamington before. I often just have coffee at home with people or here. And on the wall there is a picture of the great tightrope walker, Charles Blondin, or his French Charles Blondin, probably. Uh, I've often told that story, but not for many years. Uh, it's a wonderful example of faith. Blondin, um, I never knew performed in Leamington, so I've done my history and I can tell you when it was, but he was famous as a tightrope walker sort of 150, 170 years ago and famously crossed the Niagara Falls on tightrope. 
there is a thick cable, the sort of cable he used, which engineers use, called blonding cable still. But he was one of the great famous tightrope walker, and he used to do various tricks. Um, as well as walking across, he would push a wheelbarrow across with a sack in it or carry someone on his back uh, and, uh, and, and across. And it was, it was world famous. Two years after his Niagara crossing, he came to Leamington. Leamington was on the up as a new holiday destination. Royal Leamington Spa, Queen Victoria was, the elephants were here down in town and there was all sorts of things. And Blondin came in 1851. And I'll read you a bit of what I found from the historians. On a July evening in 1851, two years after his Niagara crossing, 7,000 people gathered in and around the pump room gardens to witness Mr. Blondin's aerial walk. People were clustered on top of the battlements of the old parish church steeple. Some clung to the chimneys in Dormer Place, others squatted precariously on nearby roofs. The roof was 100 feet above the ground, supported by metal tripods on either side of the gardens. You can picture it. I had no idea he'd been to Leamington till I did my homework after that coffee visit. Uh, and he did his usual feats of walking across and uh, a sack on his back and some fainting as if he might slip and so on. Uh, the story I've often told is that Blondin would sometimes push a wheelbarrow across, sometimes with a sack of stuff in it. And he would challenge the audience, do you believe I could push a man across in the wheelbarrow? And people had seen him do anything and said, yes, we believe you could. At which point he'd say, would anybody like to get in? <laughs> so, now, there is a difference between believing in your head that someone can do something and actually trusting them enough. Now, God does not necessarily call us to trust a high-wire artist, but he does call us to trust him with the things in our life we are nervous about. And that's why I told that story to start with, because this is about faith. And Jesus holds up the centurion as someone who trusts him in a remarkable way. So there's lots we've got to learn from it. Now, sometimes people say to me, and they may well have said to you if you're a Christian, well, I wish I had your faith. Uh, if anybody says that to you, please say back to them, you can. It's not something you either have or you know. We all have it in a little way. You go to the doctor, you describe your symptoms, or actually now you do it over the phone mostly, but occasionally you get to see one. And there's a prescription you can believe in your head that it will do you good. Faith is when you actually take the pills or swallow the medicine. It's the difference in believing theoretically and trusting. Uh, you might decide to go by train or maybe on holiday by plane somewhere and you book your tickets. Uh, faith is turning up at the time there really will be a plane then or getting on. Uh, there are small examples you might arrange to meet someone in town at a certain place at a certain time. Uh, you trust they will be there. We all have these little bits of faith. And as we exercise them, they grow. Some people have much bigger faith in these dramatic things. Uh, some of my kids have done bungee jumps. Nothing uh, makes me want to do that and trust myself uh, to, one of those, to a bungee jump. But some people do. That is faith. It's trusting that this thing is not going to kill you, that you're going to be okay. So we all have a certain amount of the ability to trust others. It's a question of where do we put that faith? And God has made us to put our trust in him. So what can we learn from this centurion? Well, he's a remarkable fellow. By and large, the centurions of the Roman army were a fairly hard-bitten lot and quite a tough crowd. But we meet some remarkable centurions in the Bible. Here is one of them. We meet 
uh, as well Cornelius in Acts chapter 10, who uh, welcomes Peter into his house. We meet the centurion who crucified Jesus, who said, truly this was a righteous man, or truly this was the Son of God, where there's something where God's broken through to him. Here is Cornelius, uh, not Cornelius, here's the centurion, we don't know his name, who is the centurion in Capernaum. He's kind of in middle management. His boss is probably at headquarters in Caesarea, 50 miles away. But he's in charge of maintaining Roman order there uh, in this town in Galilee, which can be a bit of a hotbed of ferment as well. So it's a, a, tough, a tough gig for him, if you like. And most Roman centurions would have been sat pretty light to the Jews, and they would have been fairly harsh. This man, we read, is very different. The Jewish leaders come to Jesus and let me remind you what they say, verses 4 and 5, if we put those up. They said, this man deserves you do this. He loves our nation and has built our synagogue. Now, that is remarkable. Here is a centurion who's come and found himself drawn to the Jewish people and the God of the Jews to the point where he has either provided money or labor to enable their synagogue to be built or rebuilt. Uh, that's fairly remarkable. He's popular with the Jewish leaders. Uh, he's a kind man who cares about his servants. Remember uh, the message, verses 2 and 3, at the start of the story. A centurion's servant, his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. What we learn of most of the Roman centurions is that life was pretty expendable. Someone dies, get another one. But here is a centurion who, with a real care for the people who work with him, and especially this man. And there's a humility about him. The Jewish leaders say he deserves this. He knows he doesn't. Verse 6, he sends a message, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. Now, all of these are signs of God's sort of grace at work in someone, preparing them to come into relationship with him. God is at work all the way around, people all around the world, in our community, uh, where we find people drawn to God's people. And here is this centurion drawn to Jesus. And it's been a, a bit of a journey. We don't know how long. Uh, but he sees in Jesus a particular authority and an authority to heal. Now, as we're reading through the early chapters of the Gospels, we see people continually are struck by Jesus' authority. Jesus preaches in the synagogue and heals someone. And people are amazed. What is this? An authority to heal. He casts out demonic spirits from people who are oppressed. And people are amazed at the authority that has power over evil spirits. Uh, we haven't come yet to the story in Luke where Jesus calms the storm, but we'll get there soon enough. And the disciples are amazed. Who is this that he has the authority to calm a storm? We've seen that he has the authority to say to these fishermen, come and follow me. And they do. They leave their livelihood and follow him. Jesus has an extraordinary authority. Now, we've just been through Easter. Two weeks ago, we celebrated the resurrection. Every Sunday is a celebration of the resurrection. And we know more than any of these people did that Jesus uh, rose again from the dead, that he is who he claimed to be, that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords. And he has more authority than even the Roman centurion recognized. But this centurion recognized his authority to heal. Let's read again just verses 6 to 8 of the story. He wasn't far from the house. The centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself. I don't deserve to have you come under my roof. That's why I didn't even consider myself worthy to come to you. Just say the word 
and my servant will be healed. He goes on. We can have the next slide up. There we are. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers unto me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. And he recognizes that Jesus has that sort of authority to heal. If Jesus says it, he believes it and is trusting. And Jesus is amazed. Now, it takes quite a lot to surprise Jesus. He's not surprised by people letting him down. He's not surprised by people failing. But he is surprised by great faith. And Jesus says this. Uh, where have we got to? When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who'd been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. Jesus heals the servant with a word from a distance as the centurion has believed. And as we read through the Gospels, you will find Jesus looking for this faith. Where he sees it, he commends it. Uh, where he doesn't see it, he's disappointed, often to the disciples. Oh, ye of little faith, why can't you trust me more? Or when he went to his hometown in Matthew 13, we read this. He didn't do many miracles there because of their lack of faith. There's something about our faith that opens us up to the resources of heaven as we trust that God is longing to pour his resources into our lives and through us, but he's looking for us to trust him. Like on those electric trains with the power cables going overhead, the connector that goes up, all the power is there. But without the connector, the power isn't channeled down. And faith is the connector. Now, sometimes that, uh, as we trust God, his power will be released into healing. Sometimes it will be released into strengthening us to cope and not being healed. We found that with St. Paul with the thorn in the flesh. God's power enabled him to cope with that weakness. So if you're praying for God for healing and he hasn't healed you, maybe he's wanting to do something deeper in you and give you strength. But it's our faith that seems to be what Jesus is looking for that enables him to act more and more in us and through us. And so my prayer for our church as we come towards the start of our 150th year is that God helps us to trust him more such that as he calls us out to step out with the good news of Jesus, we see him doing things we couldn't have possibly done in our own strength. It was great to sing earlier, wasn't it, with the children, the All Through History song. Uh, as you read the Bible characters, and please do keep reading your Bible stories, we find the heroes of the faith, ordinary people with very human weaknesses who dared to trust God and take him at his word. Uh, Noah, we heard and sang about, who built a boat in the middle of a desert because God told him to. Uh, despite great ridicule, really crazy, and yet he dared to trust God's word and did what he said. Uh, we didn't sing about Abraham, though if anyone wants to write an Abraham verse for that, it'd be harder for Abraham. To, you could do Abraham, I suppose. He was Abraham when he said that will scan easier. But God said to Abraham, go and leave your people, and I'll tell you when to stop. And so Abraham packs up, and off he goes. Where are you going, Abraham? Not quite sure. Why are you going, Abraham? Because God spoke to me. Which God? The sun God? The moon God? No, no, the God God. Haven't heard of that one. Well, are you all right, Abraham? Yes, he spoke and I'm off. And he is the father of the people of Israel and all the people of faith since then. Moses, we did sing about, who eventually, after a long tussle with God, gave in and went to Pharaoh. 
and said, let my people go and led the people over the Red Sea to freedom from slavery. David, this young man outraged at Goliath, the Philistine, bad-mouthing the God of Israel, who said, I'll sort with him, I'll sort him out. And you can imagine God from heaven looking at David's faith, his trust, and just making sure that that stone hit the target. It just, it's David's faith there that has made him such a wonderful example. Or Mary, we read at Christmas, Mary, uh, as the angel Gabriel comes and says, you're highly favoured, you're going to have a baby who is Jesus, who is God's son. And Mary would have been aware of the cost of this. Well, not fully aware, but she says, yes. Yes, I will trust you. This is what God is looking for. Now, I don't know what God is calling you to do, to trust him with. But he's calling all of us always to take the next step in our walk with him. Uh, for some, it's a change of job. For some, it's starting a new ministry. For some, it's daring to go verbal with our faith and start sharing it and talking about it. For some, it's offering to pray for people. We've often said uh, one of the great ways into sharing our faith is when someone's talking to you and they're struggling to say, may I pray for you? People don't say that to them very often. And they usually say, oh, yes, thank you. May I pray for you now? That really surprises them. Well, what's going to happen? I just want, if it's all right, lay a hand on your shoulder and pray for God to come and show his love to you and help you or heal you. And may you know he loves you when that happens. Now, several of you will have had that thought in your head as your, someone shares something difficult. Maybe tomorrow morning at work. Uh, how was your weekend? Oh, you never guess what happened. I don't know what I'm going to do. The thought in your head will be, offer to pray for them. Faith is daring to open your mouth and say, may I pray for you. And you'll find God using you in ways you would never have expected. And we don't need to start with great faith. The centurion has this fantastic faith that is a model. But Jesus told us we only need a mustard seed. This is Matthew 17. Uh, he said this, Truly I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. Small. It's not great faith in God, it's faith in a great God. And as we exercise that faith, it grows. As we meditate on the scriptures, it grows. Paul said in Romans 10 that faith comes from hearing the word. This is Romans 10, 17. We might have got that one there uh, as well for you. Faith comes from hearing the message or the word. The message is heard through the word about Christ. As we read the scriptures, as we meditate on the stories of the heroes of the faith, as we read God's promises and we choose to believe those and take Jesus at his word, so we find God working through us. Just about got time to do this, I think. I've put down in my notes, if there's time, have a quick look at Philippians 4. So this is a, uh, for those of you who think, well, where do I go? Have a read of Philippians 4. There's three wonderful promises in there. Faith is daring to take God at his word and choose to believe this. So I just wanted to use it. We could, there are hundreds of promises in Scripture. Um, you might like to get highlighters out and, and highlight the different promises or learn them or write them on cards or pin them on your fridge or whatever it is. But if you don't know where to go to start, here's Philippians 4. Here's a promise about God's peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7. Don't be anxious about anything. So instead of being anxious, what do you do? 
Instead of that, in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, in other words, the peace of God, which makes no human sense whatsoever, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. So you're anxious about something. God's word says, pray about it with thanksgiving, and God will give you peace. Will you dare to take God at his word? Someone says to me, what if it doesn't work? I always say, well, double the dose of thanksgiving. Be a bit more thankful. And uh, thank God for everything you can and claim this promise. Well, here's another one about facing different situations. Philippians 4, 12 and 13, Paul says, I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. I've learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him, through Jesus, who gives me strength. So whatever you're facing, here's a promise. I remember learning this promise as a young child. We used to have, some of you will have grown up with promise boxes. Do any of you remember promise boxes, old Christians? Here we are, a few of us around. Uh, these were little scrolls with Bible promises in a sort of, mine was a very goldy box. You had little tweezers. You'd pick one out and open it up, and there's the promise. Um, and this was one of the early ones I learned. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And in the context, it's about facing whatever circumstances you're called to face. You can do it through faith in Jesus. He promises. It's his word. Will you trust him? One more from Philippians 4, verse 19. All of us will have different concerns about resources. Uh, and just if you are struggling financially, we have a hardship fund in the church. Please come and let us know. People who've got more than they need have given into it so that we can make sure people, everybody in the church family has got what they need. But here's a promise. My God will meet all your needs. Paul's been talking about finance needs, but all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Will you dare to trust him? Is it health needs? Is it relational needs? Is it finance needs? Faith is taking God at his word. The centurion says, just say the word, and that's enough for me. So I don't know what it is for you. You will know. The Holy Spirit will be at work in each, each one of us. You'll probably know a situation coming to mind. I'm struggling to trust God with that situation. Maybe you want to ask God for a particular word, uh, particular word in the scriptures or it may be a prophetic word that comes to speak into your situation that you can hold on to as we sang in that song thank you Colin for picking that I will hold on I will trust in you so other ways faith can grow apart from reading the scriptures is spend time talking with some older saints or people of faith who've got stories in small groups share stories of God providing needs hang around with people who've got a bit more faith than you and get them to tell you their stories. Uh, for me, reading Christian biographies has been one of the great ways. The heroes of the past. Uh, you all know if you've been here any length of time. Hudson Taylor, who pioneered a uh, mission into inland China around the time this church was being built. One of my great heroes. And a particular hero of trusting God as a hero of the faith. But the best way to grow is as you sense God calling you to do something, offering with a ministry, trusting God with your time, trusting him with your finances, offer to pray for someone, take that step. Who knows how many little steps the centurion had taken as he got to the point of helping build the synagogue and God working him before he, he took this significant step 
of going to Jesus and saying, help. Uh, it's time we prayed. Why don't you stand? Uh, if you're a visitor here, let me explain what we're going to do. I'm going to lead in a prayer. We're going to be still for a minute or two and just allow the Lord to minister to us. It may well be that he will bring to mind a particular situation that you need to trust him with. Uh, you might want to commit that to him. You might want to ask for his help. You might want to ask for a particular uh, word of scripture or prophetic word for God to speak to confirm what he's, he's leading you to. But for all of us, we want to get to that point where we hear what God is saying to us and trust him and take that step. So let's pray. We praise you, Lord God, that you've made us with the ability to trust, whether it's trusting family or the doctors or train timetables or whatever it is. But we long to trust you better. We know you've made us to know you and we want to trust you more. So send your Holy Spirit down on us now, on this congregation here gathered in the building, on people watching online at home, and minister to us as a church family that we would trust you corporately, but we pray you'll minister to us individually, and particular where you're asking us to trust you now. So come Holy Spirit and minister to your people, we pray. Some here, it'll be a, th a question of keeping going. We were praying before the service. We had a, a word about keeping running the race, keeping on running the race and trusting. For some, you're tired and trusting God for the energy to keep going. We had a picture of a book that was half read with a corner of a page turned over. Uh, someone looking forward to what came next in the story. For all of you, all of us, there is a, a next page, a next chapter in God's story and trusting him with that. There was a word about, the word from Jeremiah about remembering the ancient pathways. Particularly we find those in the scriptures, God's way. If we're not sure what's right, it's the scriptures of the word of God, not what popular opinion around today says, and trusting those. And if there's a particular thing you'd like prayer for, uh, we'll provide prayer ministry after the end of the service. Andy will explain how that will happen. But we pray, dear Lord Jesus, for grace to trust you in what we're facing, to hold on and trust you. And in all those things that are in our minds now, thank you that you know. Thank you that you promise to be with us, that you'll never fail us or forsake us. You are with us always. So as we sing our last song, we pray you will fill us with that confidence that you who turned the water into wine, that nothing is impossible with you. And may we have more of the faith of that centurion day by day. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's sing together. <laughs>